Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I want you to stop what you're doing unless you're driving and go sign up for a newsletter. We have the link in the show notes and you need to get on it now because it is full of information. Our Lit newsletter comes out once a week and it has everything that's happening in the Lit community, including classes, workshops, retreats, free classes, on and on. Plus we have blog with recipes, articles, and every week we have a PT corner written by one of the many PTs in our Lit community. So we can help you with knee pain, text neck issues, pelvic floor discomfort, so much more. So join our newsletter, go to that link in the show notes. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, woo! Where you ask the questions and we answer. We're always so jazzed up for this. It's a wonderful time to spend um, wonderful quality moments with my best gal here, physio extraordinaire, lit senior teacher, Kristen Williams. Oh my goodness, I just love that. Woo, <laughs> she is really... She Woo! is ready to go. I probably just blew your ears out with my woo. I know. <laughs> Me too. Uh, let's get going, guys. You can tell we we love doing this. So We do. We actually have um, a question as some feedback from a, pod, a podcast question that we did maybe a month ago from Rebecca uh, Feller. She had sent us a question about, about uh, yin yoga. And so she writes back to us. Dear Laura and Kristen, first of all, thank you from the bottom of my heart for your excellent and comprehensive answers to my yin question related to my lower back pain. I so much enjoyed listening to that podcast episode. You advise against doing yin because yin does not uh, generate any added value that another style of yoga would not. Yin yoga teacher Josh Summers claims that yin yoga stretches the tissues, which is not possible with any other yoga style because once the muscle is engaged, the tissues are not stretched as they are when the muscle is relaxed. If I understand him right, Josh Summers is not referring to the stretching of muscles or ligaments, but to the stretching stretching of tissue and the benefits that go with it. I was wondering what your opinion is on this. Wishing you a Merry Christmas and all the best for 2023. Well, thank you, Rebecca. 
Laura, do you want to dive into that one first? Sure. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. And I mean, first of all, woe is me and my flexibility if that was true. <laughs> right? I mean, to make that kind of statement is not accurate. You can't say that other forums don't do it. Otherwise, we would be... Uh, I feel like I'm super balanced. Um, I'm not overly flexible in terms of that, um, you know, bendy, bendy, but I certainly can do everything I need to do um, and want to do. Uh, this is a very, there's a lot of elements to it, so I'm going to try and simplify it as much as possible because when we talk about stretching, which is a word we all can kind of come around, but it, it's not like, like, he might have been mentioning is not just like you're stretching a muscle or you're stretching, um, you're stretching and many things are happening with that. So it's not just the physical um, aspect of pulling two, two things apart, like two joints apart, um, and that stretches something. But there's many things that are happening from the brain level, from at the nervous system, the responsiveness of movement, um, when you hold something like known as a static stretch versus when you're moving, maybe not as big of a range, but in a quicker cadence, there, there's just a lot of uh, incredible software in our in our brain and in therefore that channels out into the um, activation in the body that you can't ever just distill down into this is right and this is wrong. What I say about yin is that from the what I've learned and witnessed and you know and and this is a little biased have treated from injured yin people so that is that was really my gateway into yin I hadn't, I hadn't even heard of yin before somebody came and had been injured and you know had been in frog pose for whatever 7 minutes and um had a lot of SI issues. Lots. Now, was it the frog pose for seven minutes that did it? Not necessarily. I'm not saying that. I don't think one thing, but it's certainly doing that repetitively as a form of a yoga practice is is not, I don't think, going to be healthy for the soft tissue structures, okay, and the joints. You know, um, So what he might be arguing is that you're not going to get a stretch in regular yoga. Well, Okay, so let's think about if we stretch when we're moving and we're stre we're pulling on tissues that there is a stretch to that. There's there's activation that also is, is restraining that, right? And that is actually a good thing, right? We want that. So this is my biggest issue. You do it like he was saying because you're not activating muscles and therefore you're going to be able to get into tissue. This is the exact thing that's the problem <laughs> because you're not activating. You, you can't take somebody into an end range of motion and hold them there for a long. So it's the, the time, the duration, I don't necessarily have a problem with. If you, you know, studies have shown some change happens after uh, you know, 30 seconds, and a lot of studies say 30 seconds is sufficient. But the point is, you it's hard to maintain some level of tone and action that would actually pr be protective on the joint after a certain amount of time. Because you get, um, when when you have a stretch for prolong, pr more prolonged period of time, 
in a in a stretched position, you're the, what could happen, and this is what I've seen, is the muscle spindles, which are partly in the muscles that give you the signal, like, woo, we're getting at the end range here, and they start and and you have a whole system of response to that that we want to have. It's protective. But we also can coax it a little bit. Like if if you've been somebody who was super, super, super like my husband, more in the kind of tightened range, you can coax it. But and this muscle spindle will habituate, meaning it's going to become accustomed to a new length. Um, and that reduces its signaling. So I'm gonna say what we want, and this is why I think the way we practice is great, is we are constantly kind of communicating with these different receptors, these stretch receptors, by moving actively, by engaging the core, by watching our posture, and then we can hold, and we're ready for it. We, we aren't gonna send out alarm signals to, the other thing is you're gonna do better when you're warm, when you're talking about these, elong trying to get a, a, a permanent, more permanent change of, which I think that's what Yun is after. And um, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of heating up that happens for that, right? So you are also taking muscle that is not as well prepared and then you know, putting it in a, a position where is the muscle getting stretched? Of course, the tissue around it is getting stretched. But all that has its their, their own properties. Uh, their own signals in there that um, are are there to protect you. So we want to work with our body, and we don't want to try and stretch something in a relaxed state. It's just that is not how we're set up to, you know, function. So there's a lot more to say about that. I'm not. I don't want to get into this. Like I have my opinion, and absolutely anybody can. You know, I just find that I, there's a lot more impactful ways to either get restored, like do restorative yoga if you want to get totally chilled out, uh, do our kind of yoga in a slower form and then wind down and see how it works for you. But there's a lot of different ways to um, make your entire system more balanced. And you're going to balance out your nervous system when it feels safe. And I don't feel at the end of the day a lot of people have that feeling of safety when they're in these in-range emotions or in-range, yeah, in, at the in-range for a long period of time. Well, and I mean, let's be frank. The studies have shown that you are not safe mm -hmm. at those yeah. end ranges. Uh, I just recently did a continuing education course about dynamic stretching, and there is loads of evidence behind the fact that when you static stretch and then go do something, your chance of injury is dramatically higher because of what Laura is saying. You, you are not, the, the muscle cannot perform at its optimal level at that end range length. So it's not, that's not opinion. This is, has been shown. That's not to say that static stretch is bad. So that's where it's interesting when we look, when we look at science, when we look at research, so often it's not saying black and white. Mm -hmm. It's saying this is the, these are the facts. For example, this, this, this guy who was teaching the course said, you know, he was the PT for a pro hockey league. I mean, a pro hockey team. And they had in one year, 
350 injuries that they, so they, and they didn't do well that season. And they, what were they doing? They were doing the traditional, you'll stretch before you go, you know, you stretch your hips, you'll stretch your hamstrings, you st- you go play. So at the end of the year, they're like, wow, you guys treated 350 people. And they're like, man, we really did our jobs. And the management came back and said, no, you weren't doing your job because why are our athletes, these are high, high NF, NHL athletes getting, why are they getting injured? This was like a wake up call to this rehab team. What did they start doing? Dynamic warm up. They started a dynamic stretching program with this team. And I kid you not in one year, now this is a case study, but we're talking an entire team of NHL athletes in one year, their injuries went from 350 something down to 70 something in one year. Mm. What did they change? There's only one thing they changed. And that was the warm-up going from static to dynamic. And why did it happen? Because their bodies were prepared. They had that neuromuscular readiness that comes from dynamic stretching. That's why they say, if you're going to go do something, especially explosive, you need to dynamically stretch. Now, If you want to increase range of motion of a joint, static stretching is, that's not only static, but you know, that because to your point, Lara, you know, you're going, you're going to be taking it into the joints more when you're going towards those end ranges for good or for bad. So I am not throwing out the baby with the bathwater here. I absolutely, I teach a stretch class on, uh, on our lit prime which we just hold the stretches for about 60 seconds, but they aren't end range. We're not pulling into pain. It's more of an assessment of where your body is. It's a great way to compare left to right. It's a great way to, you know, look at how your body is progressing over time. And do I see people's range of motion improve when they do that? Yes. Mm -hmm. But my goal is not, I do feel like that goal with that is different than yin. It's Mm -hmm. not, hey, let's do it so you can bring your leg up by your ear. Let's do it so we can get into splits. Heck no. You have to ask yourself, why? Why am I, and this is for anything in life. Why am I going for a run? Why am I riding my bike? Why am I doing yin? Why am I doing lit yoga? And does your why make sense for your body? So for some people, usually, let's be honest, it's the hyperflexible. Yin makes sense because it isn't a challenge for them, meaning it, it, it isn't unsafe for them because they're already biased in that. Who's teaching yin yoga? It is not a hypomobile, hypoflexible person. I guarantee, I don't know, I've never been to a class, but I would be very surprised if a yin teacher is not hypermobile. Why? Because it it wouldn't make sense. Why would you want to be taught a hyperflexible class? You know what I mean? So uh, my whole thing with anything, and this is, I, I've never taken a yin class. I have no, in, I have no desire to take it because for my why, I don't see the benefit. I feel like 
I can take my stretch class, which goes head to toe, and people say they feel great afterwards. We're educating, we're learning, we're listening um, to the body, and you just feel good afterwards, but it's 60 seconds. Am yeah. I saying, am I making a promise that you're going to come out of there with super, you're going to be the splits? No, because that's not my why. My why is education. My why is listening to the body. Um, my why is exploration, which is, my, in my personal opinion, what what stretching, static stretching is better for. I, I give static stretching to people. I'm like, listen, your left side is dramatically tighter than your right. You need to balance that out. Stretch that side. But is it just static? No, it's a combination of the two. But you can always bring it back to static as a way to, it's, it's your benchmark. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think you just have to ask yourself why. And um, at least that's what I ask myself. And, and absolutely no digs at 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 yin, but there the science says you increase your chance of injury when you static stretch and then go do stuff. So hence Lara getting her first yoga clients, many of from yin. <laughs> yeah. That's why I started seeing people because people are getting injured in yoga. I'm like, what the heck? And it's not just yin. Mm -hmm. I'll go to vinyasa classes where they're putting somebody in a, a lizard lunge, you know, 10 minutes into class. And it's like, you're not ready for that. So anyway, that that's, that's my feedback on it is, you know, look at the science, look at the, at the, at the why, um, and, and know that it's not saying that it's bad, but you can't, it's not good for everybody. Let's put it that way. No. And I, I would almost imagine like knowing this is a guy who said this too, I think, you know, guys have certain amount, they have a little bit more safeguarding in some of that because their muscle tone is, uh, is you know, it, 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 the density is there, there. So they have just more stuff to, in a way, uh, give some protection. So for him, this might be something he really needs to do. Otherwise, he doesn't ever feel anything, right? But it, like you said, it really is depending on like, what's the why? If, if, if somebody's coming to Yen and they want to do, you know, they want to feel more re relaxed because it's supposed to have some kind of parasympathetic, that is not going to be the case for everybody. Because for somebody who's already really bendy, and this is like not sending off any like alarm bells, um, but for somebody who's feeling really unsafe, that is going to do the, have the opposite effect. It's going to, they're going to feel like some kind of internal guarding in their nervous system, which is not going to allow them to be able to relax. So again, yeah, it's not to bash anything. It's always like, what's the why? And I wouldn't make any claims like, <laughs> like that. Like you're not no. going to get any stretching in other ways. That's not true. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. And I'll be the first person to say the thought of holding frog for seven minutes makes uh, my, like that, that makes me anxious just sitting here in a chair. It makes, oh, me <laughs> so too. I'm one of those people me that too. I would, would be the one squirming and being like, why are we doing this? <laughs> um, all right. Today's podcast is sponsored by AminoCo, my favorite company for amino based supplementation. While I use many of their products today, I'm highlighting the purity line. Purity is just like it sounds like. It's designed to accelerate the export of fat triglycerides out of the liver, which helps reduce overall liver fat levels and helps maintain normal levels of liver enzymes. The liver is vital to all metabolic processes in the body and is primarily responsible for removing toxins, processing nutrients from food, breaking down fats, and building proteins. I use Purity as a bonus to help my liver function more optimally. 
Even though I'm living a pretty clean life, I feel better knowing that purity is helping me filter out the inevitable toxins that we all encounter. This drink helps me feel refreshed and motivated to keep my organs functioning their best. I mix it with a powder in water or in my favorite smoothie. You can find out more about AminoCo in episode 569 when I interview the, one of the founders, Dr. Robert Wolf. You can also shop my favorite 100% science-based amino acid supplements and save 30%. Just enter code LIT at AminoCo.com slash LIT. Again, AminoCo, A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com slash LIT. Okay, so we have a question from Michelle Gibson. Have y'all seen postpartum joint pain? I'm experiencing it in both hands eight weeks postpartum. Um, why don't you start with that? Let me let Orlando in. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I think what uh, postpartum joint pain, super common. Um, you know, our bodies after being pregnant, uh, so you're pregnant, you're carrying around most of us, you know, 30 to 40 or more pounds of weight. We've got this hyper amount of, um, hormones relaxing in our body. So we've put our, our joints are looser. A lot of us, hello, I'm waving my hand, you know, did as, I mean, almost everything I was doing before getting pregnant while I was pregnant, um, as long as I could not really thinking of the repercussions that might have later on my low back, um, for you. I don't know what you did, you know, Michelle, I'm guessing probably some yoga throughout, you know, um, but while we're pregnant, we are more, uh, we're, we're looser, we're more lax. Mm -hmm. So, and after we're pregnant, especially if you're nursing, your body is still producing those hormones that are giving your joints laxity. And that's, and there's a reason for that. You know, our body was preparing for birth. Our body was preparing to stretch and open to, to, for our uterus to, you know, hold this growing baby. Our body is continuing if we're nursing to produce the milk you know, for, for the baby. Um, so to have joint pain, I, I think is, is not uncommon. In fact, it's quite common. Uh, and, and it could be secondary to, to possibly what was done while pregnant, secondary to what you're continuing to do if you're still nursing. Um, and then just also secondary to, you still have different hormones in your body and hormones, you know, have been strongly linked to a lot of different autoimmune responses in the body, inflammatory, um, in some cases even just you know destructive. So I'm not saying that's the case here, but so number one, I don't I don't think you're alone in in that. Um, I think people have a lot of pain during the end ranges of pregnancy as well, or even mid to end range. That's very unexpected. Un you almost can't you can't give a medical or a, a sound biomechanical reason for some of the things I've seen when people are pregnant, when people after pregnancy, and I'm talking months and months, you know, after. So, you know, what can you do? I, I think if, if it's, if it's in your wrist, you know, and you're still doing yoga, just be, be mindful of, of knowing that, especially if you're still nursing, that you are, more lax. And that's, and it's not just like, it's not just in your pelvis, it's everywhere. So if you're more lax, you know, what can you do kind of going back to our last question about flexibility, you know, we, you need a little tone. So 
you know, whether that is, you know, gripping with your hands a bit more might give you a little more tone. Obviously, we talk about all the time, the scapula, you know, what, what can you be doing up above? And maybe what do you need to do just to modify? Again, this is information. Pain is information. And so sometimes that information should be um, taken in as what can I do to modify a little bit? So whenever my wrists hurt every now and then I'll do fists or I'll, I'll make not every time I'm not going to change my practice throughout, but I will just modify to let the body just take a little pressure off. I'll look more proximally. You know, what am I doing up here? Think about, especially if you're postpartum, you're carrying that baby around. My gosh, you're carrying this car seat around. All the things that you're doing from really the torso, the entire core container is such so unlike what you've been doing pre-pregnancy. So what is your posture like? You know, what do you need to do to open up that chest wall, open up your upper back? It's manifesting in your wrists. And so that's where you can really try to figure out, again, looking for the, like the, the why here is why is it manifesting in, in my wrists? You know, what can I change? I would really look at posture postpartum. Trust me, the boobs are bigger if you're nursing. So you're probably more rounded. They're heavier. That that's going to impact your wrists. That's going to change your plank. It's going to change your everything, your body, especially if you're breastfeeding, it's going to yeah. feel different. So a lot of things you can look at to, you know, decrease some tension through that, de decrease some compression, some, some strain, and then just be patient and know that once you, maybe you stop breastfeeding, once you restore that mobility that might've been lost, once you restore that, that core strength, this, it will, I would say it will get better. I won't even, I, I don't even want to just say should, I'm going to say it will get better as long as you really start to look at what little modifications and tweaks you can make. What do you have to add to that, Laura? Yeah, I was just seeing if she had um, written anything more than that. So she says in the hands, you know, so that could be the hands or the wrist. But, you know, eight weeks, let's just be honest, like that's nothing. Oh, that's a drop in the nothing. bucket. Yeah. Um, so, but nonetheless, you don't want to be having, you say joint pain. So it's in your hands, maybe in your wrist. You say both hands. There's a lot of joints in here, <laughs> a lot. And to Kristen's point, all of them have been impacted by hormones. And then you're holding baby, you're maybe... So one thing I would say, in a, like everything Kristen said, but additionally, watch how in the sleep that you're getting, watch how you're sleeping. Are you like... We often will do this. We kind of, um, if you're not watching on YouTube, by the way, you can watch this on YouTube for free and you get to see us in action. Um, you can go to Lit Yoga... <laughs> Lit yoga on YouTube. But anyway, I'm clenching my fist. A lot of times we don't even know. We clench our fist. We do little funny things with the hands. When you're not, um, you know, postpartum, that might not bother you for years. But, uh, you know, now you've got more kind of stuff happening. You've got like you still have your blood volume is still higher at this point as well. So you could get more swelling and um, so the bottom line is I would look at like all the things, posture, how you're sleeping, and then just give yourself a little break as well. Cause they're only eight weeks. So, you know, work on things, not on the floor, you know, um, standing stuff and then get on the floor. And like Kristen said, get on your fist and stuff like that. It will subside. It absolutely will. It's just, we have our bodies like, it's almost like kind of a, 
a jigsaw puzzle that has to shrink wrap back together. Uh, and that's going to take a while. So, and these are just kind of side effects, but so the sleeping and then how much time are you spending like on devices, computer, phone, things like that, where these are smaller, um, more manipulated, manipulated muscles, not manipulative, but, you know, smaller, um, movements that, um, have a lot of articulation in all those different bones in the hands and fingers. So, you know, just be aware of it and rub the hands, give, give them a lot of like heat and um, warmth, rub the wrist and know that it will get better. And we're pulling for you because Michelle's been here, I think since pretty much day one of Lit Daily. Awesome. Uh, all right. Um, we got one more short-ish question. Uh, this is from T. Chiwi. We know her, T. Chi. Can you explain why in quadruped twisting, Exhale to rotate and inhale to return. Um, I'll let you go. With, well, I'll, I'll explain briefly. You can do either. So with breathing, um, I think it's good to feel both ways. How does it? How is it different? In quadruped, just like in our, you know, when we're on our back and in, in lit um, in our core work on our abdominals, we use the exhale to come up and rotate. Basically, what you're doing is you're helping to assimilate before you rotate. That's kind of a good, that could be a title for a flow, everybody. Because we can all we can all turn our bodies. Like, we'll figure it out. We'll turn with our shoulders. We'll turn with our ribs. We'll half turn with our pelvis. And I'm not sure, I'm not saying that is wrong, but we are doing it in the way that we have done it habitually with the path of least resistance. And that's not always the best. A lot of people will turn from their um, overly turned from their lumbar spine. Our lumbar spine has about five to eight degrees of rotation. That's not a lot. And the amount that is actually kind of we know is available tells us like that area is not really made to rotate. Like our knee, by the way, rotates. It's not just a flexion extend, but it doesn't have a lot of rotation because that would be too much. So we look at the structure and so what we're really doing when we have um, exhale and, and rotate is we're um, inhaling and thinking length in the spine and exhale, assimilate and turn. So number one, it's having a kind of more hugging feeling around this axis. And then also the rotation muscles are, are the muscles that are working when you exhale and turn. Um, the internal obliques are helping to close in the ribs to, to kind of stabilize them. And external obliques will help turn, like one counter turns, one rotates. That could happen when you're inhaling as well, but it really is effective uh, kind of closing everything, the ribs, and getting that um, measured feeling of contraction. So it's, and then it can take people out of a big swing of their arm. It's a more control, because this arm, when we, if we're rotating in quadruped, your arm is a long lever that can really turn you and not necessarily, again, hold on to your center. So exhaling with a turn is a really nice way of developing this neuromuscular coordination of stability and then mobility around that in the area that we often are not turning from, which is our thoracic spine. We, we know as physical therapists, as movement kind of observers and specialists that thoracic mobility is one of the first areas of the spine we lose range of motion in. 
So we don't want to go and just turn it because we might just be turning our shoulder or throwing our arm around or turning from our lumbar spine, seemingly turning from our T-spine, which is the biggest area of the spine. Um, that isn't to say you could never do inhale with it, but we purposely do try and work first from this to, again, it's remapping, reorienting, resetting. So then you have kind of, you could, you could rotate with an inhale because you know how to control it. It's been more neuromuscular programmed. Any, any other thoughts? No, I mean, I think I'll argue, I, I will quadruped inhale and open and exhale Mm -hmm. and, and, and thread Again, this all comes down to the why. Why? You know, exactly. I, it, I do. I do it as well. Yeah, I yeah. do both. I do. I do both. You know. Yeah. I think if if for if I want a smaller, more controlled movement, like you said, I will. You know, and and an exhalation will will keep you from you know going big. But but if I'm really going for that chest opening, the pec opening, mm-hmm. I don't want to. And 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 it, and it all comes down to cueing. You know that yeah. lead with your sternum, but that you know opening an inhalation is going to open up that soft tissue, which will help, which will help you in the range of motion. Yeah. But if you're wanting to improve strength, then I would argue the exhale, because you're going to be, you know, using those obliques kind of from below to, you know, get it open. So, you know, both doing both, they're both just, great. Yes. Yeah. Just knowing like, what is your end goal? Um, so, cause I certainly, think about like quadruped hand behind the head, that's going to be more strength. I think Mm -hmm. where I'm working, I want to work the exhale and I'll, I'll, I'll twist. And I want to try to, I'm not going to go as far because I am exhaling and contracting, but I'm also contracting and moving more strength versus that like thread the needle. Oh yeah. That's so nice. Inhale, open the chest. Open up, exhale, thread through inhale. And then I'm also PS cueing that weight bearing Mm -hmm. hand. Yeah. That weight-bearing scapula to really be engaging and contracting there. So, you know, I think we, that's what I love about lit is we aren't rigid. We aren't. It's, it's not, not, like it's not do this or that. Exhale. No. Yes. It you is. Know. Yeah. You decide why, and then you educate your client why you're doing it this way. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying I educate, oh, we're going to inhale to stretch. We're going to exhale yeah. to do that every time. No. But should someone ask me, why do you do that? I want to be able to answer. Mm-hmm. You know, so the answer is, if you want range, you will in, in you know, I think inhale with it. Yeah. If you want to work strength and stability, you, the, the exhalation is the way to go yeah. because to the point of dynamic versus static, you're putting yourself, you are, that, that dynamic exhalation is going to be uh, a smaller range, but more, um, more strength, I don't call strength building, but re-educate. Stability. Yeah. It's like moving in the area versus just moving. And, you know, it's the whole idea. We're not mimicking a movement. We're trying to educate how to stabilize the movement, um, originate the, uh, or the activation of the movement. And that's all adaptability and adaptability will be, oh, I could inhale with it. I could exhale with it. And my body is going to know how to fine tune and adjust. Um, but just mimicking a movement and telling somebody to breathe a certain way isn't necessarily going to b- land for everybody because if they, you know, some people would be fine with it, but if they're like trying to turn through their head, through their shoulder, and they're not really getting it in a very nourishing way through the T-spine, it's not going to be as wonderful and effective for sure. 
Yeah. Totally. You know, it's again, it all boils down to the why. The why. Mm -hmm. Yes. I know everybody likes the cookie cutter answers, but it's better to know that there's like a lot of possibilities. It's all from a movement intelligence standpoint. So thank you as always for writing with your amazing questions. You all can find us, write us, send us anything at support at lityoga.com. You can also find us on Instagram. Laura is laura.hyman and I am kbwilliams99. Just shoot us a DM. We don't need to be our friends. We see those those, uh, requests come in and then I just screenshot them. We put them in a little folder and we will answer answer any questions you have with it to the best of our ability, you know, both from our experience um, as well as just our knowledge, um, our, you know, our, our reading, we're, we're constantly reading and learning and, um, and we learn from you. So, um, you know, please keep s- uh, sending in your questions and we would love it also if you would subscribe, um, rate, review us. Uh, that always helps on, on our end and, um, you know, keep them coming. Keep them coming. We love them. And I love you. So, yeah, as always, we're pulling for you. 